Cool. Oh, welcome again, everyone, to final night of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Stoked that you're still coming out, uh, you know, <laughs> right at the end. Must have been doing something right, eh? You know? <laughs> I'll take it as a compliment. It's the coffee. <laughs> <laughs> the instant coffee. <laughs> oh, well, whatever gets you here, you know. <laughs> Um, no, but it feels like it's been a fantastic series, you know, um, to be honest, it's exceeded my expectations in terms of what's come out, you know, the dialogue um, amongst the panel, the table discussions, it feels like we've really touched on some fantastic and powerful stuff, um, and I certainly know that I've gotten a lot out of, um, you know, these times, and I know that... Um, that others have as well. Um, so we thought we'd do a little bit of a recap tonight. Um, really, you know, Paul says it's it's no problem for me to repeat to you what I've already told you. Actually, it's a safeguard for you. Um, and what we're doing is this is not just old information because when it's living mana, it's fresh every time. Hey, you know. Um, and so, I, I, um, you know, I, I believe that there'll be a freshness to what it is that we are talking about tonight, even though we're recapping what it is that we've been looking at over the past year. Um, what I thought we could do is um, we'll, we'll talk for possibly half the time and then for the, the second half um, it'd be great to split into um, table discussion um, and I'd be really keen um, you know, for you guys to just share what it is that you've received over the course of this year, what it is that you've grown in. Um, there'll be some questions that you'll be able to, um, to use to, to start some of that dialogue um, and we've also got a little feedback form. It's not a test, don't worry, don't stress while you're sitting here. It, the feedback is, is really for our sake to, to learn how can we communicate better, what have you, what have you learnt, um, how, can we, how can we serve you better in our communication. So um, that would be awesome if you could fill that in as well. Um, but yeah, so this evening we're going to be um, re recapping by looking at the end of 1 Corinthians 13. So if you've got your Bibles, 1 Corinthians 13. Um, this is a really key passage. Um, it's smack bang in the middle of our two chapters on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, um, 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. In my, in my Bible, it kind of works out well. I've got 12, 13, and 14 all on the same page, so it looks like they're all together. Um, but we have chapter 12 talks about um, Paul. It's titled The Use of Spiritual Gifts. So Paul starts by um, um, by saying, now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are a varieties of ministries, but the same Lord. There is a variety of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And then he goes on to lift, list a number of the different gifts um, that we've been looking at over the last year. And then we have this passage in 1 Corinthians 13 where it's almost like he changes gears from looking at the gifts of the Holy Spirit and he starts touching on perhaps an even greater and deeper truth. Whereas he says, hey guys, these gifts are so important and so valuable for you to grow in, but hey, let me tell you about a more excellent way. It's called the way of love. It's what's to underpin these gifts. It's what's to, what is to be the foundation of your very life and your very existence which is the love of Christ, and these gifts that are flow from this position of love. Um, and so he talks about love. He, he goes on to say, look, if you've got 
um, you know, if you have, uh, if you speak in the tongues of men and of angels but don't have love, you're just a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. If you've got the gift of prophecies, prophecy and know and fathom all mysteries and know and have all knowledge but don't have love, you are nothing. And then it moves into the, the passage that we're going to be talking about tonight. And it's Paul, and he's talking about, guys, you need to have both the gifts, but they need to flow from this posture of love. And he, he says these interesting words. He says, love never fails, but if there are gifts of prophecy, they'll be done away. If there's tongues, they will cease. If there's knowledge, it will be done away. For we know in part and prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. Now here's the verse we're going to be looking at tonight. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. Um, but when I became a man, I did away with childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I have been fully known. But now faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. And so I thought tonight to, to recap what we've been looking about, looking at in terms of the spiritual gifts, I, I felt like we could just dive into this passage. And when Paul's saying, guys, there's something that here is the most ultimate thing. In my passage, it's called the excellence of love. And Paul talks about going from being immature to being mature. And his perspective of mature is contained in 1 Corinthians 13. It's operating from this posture of love. Um, and so um, for our small but faithful panel um, this evening, I've got a few questions um, that I'd like to, um, to pose that I thought we could just use to get our dialogue started. Um, and the first one, what is the ultimate purpose of the gifts of the Holy Spirit and why did God give them? Good. He is good, but maybe we've got some uh, more insights that we can share on the ultimate purpose. Speak, Lord, I'm listening. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is your time to speak, mate. <laughs> I think the the gifts are given for us to be brought into the fullness of this love that he's talking about, love being formed within us, and the the great revelation that we need each other. We're not in isolation. Yeah, I think ultimately the gifts build the house, and we are the house, and so then the house glorifies God. So everything God does is for the glorification of himself. And so he gives us, and, and he's the giver of the gifts. So he gives the gifts. He defines how the gifts operate. And when we are in love and under love, submission under God, and then he teaches us how the gifts flow, then the house gets built. And as we've looked at, man can't build the house. Man builds in vain. Man can do a whole lot of cool things, but he can't build the eternal house of God, the spiritual house of God. Only God does that. And so as the house gets built and the house lives to glorify God, God gets glorified. A lost world get to see God in the house, which is the church, which is us. So ultimately God gives the gifts for the building of the church. And a built church is a mature church. And a mature church glorifies God. And a mature church loves one another. And so we all get to receive the reality of what God says through the giving of the gifts. So everyone wins. God gets glorified. 
we receive Christ from one another and a lost world get to see God through the church on the earth. It's a win, win, win. That's right. And I think there's, you know, that's such a different perspective on the gifts of the Holy Spirit than I think what what comes through modern day popular Christianity, you know, you know, and that the gifts are not an end in themselves; they serve an ultimate purpose, which is the maturity of the body. You know, um, and I was just thinking this afternoon, you know, in terms of, you know, we've been looking here at some of the different gifts and the different grace that God gives um, to different people in the body, and just thinking, you know, this this grace that's given is not even for the just for the particular individuals that get given that grace, it's for all of us, you know, it's for all of our maturity, you know, and so it's not enough for just Greg to be apostolic, you know, even though he has a particular grace on his life, that grace is not just for him, although it is, it's actually for me, you know, and so I'm not called to be an apostle, but I'm called to receive from the grace that's on an apostle and to become apostolic, you know. And so while we're looking at these gifts as being particular graces on individuals, ultimately it's about the maturity of all of us, you know. And so it's not enough, you know, it's not enough just for me to be a good teacher. I need a I need to become pastoral, you know? And it's not like we have all of these separate gifts and those separate gifts make up the body or, or, you know, fulfill a certain function. When it is a function, you can have separate people doing separate things, but when it's about all of our maturity and growth, we need to receive one another, not just for the function that they play, but for the value that they add and for for our own maturity and our own growth, hey, you know? Um, and so it really is a, a much bigger perspective than just building an organization or a mission or, um, you know, it, it's about building people. Hey? Yeah. Mm. We have to understand that we're interlinked. So we're interconnected. So the way he's designed it is we need him and one another. And so when I make a decision or a choice, it affects everybody. Um, and we have to realize our lives are not our own anymore. So when you commit your life to Christ, your life is not your life. You are giving it back into the hands of the Creator who wants to put on you His gifting to see His church built. And this is the problem is where we think the gift is ours and we're running in an individual lane. And this is where when we get the body revelation, it changes everything we see. So no longer do I have a gift and I'm using it to build me. I've been given a gift to build the body. I then get built through the gift on my life just like the body does. But I'm here because my life is in my own. So my life is given as a bond servant to serve firstly my father and my father's plan, which is to see a church built. So it's always a body. It's never an individual. And that's part of the issue is when we start individually, we have to be changed and renewed to realize my life is given for team. It's no I and team. We say it all the time. I'm in a team. And the analogy of sport, you know, when you play in a team, you don't play for you. You play for the team. So you're serving the team. So you have to run in your lane or your position when you play. It's, if you're a left back playing football and you're always playing up front, then there's holes in the defense and the other team can score goals because you're in the wrong position. And so that's what Sam's saying. If Sam tries to 
operate in another role that he's not graceful, then he it's always awkward. It's always like, you know, I'm trying to do this thing, but it doesn't feel part of my design. And so when we all run in our design, because it's not a competition, it's about seeing the house, but we're not competing with one another. It's not like, oh, well, I want that one, and that's better than that one. No, you've got to be happy with, it's not even about that. We're all sons and daughters, and so we have to just receive what we're given. Thankful, Lord, for the fact that I even get to give a gift. You know, this is pretty cool. And then I actually get to serve you with the gift, not myself and my brothers and sisters. And when it all flows, it's a beautiful thing. And we actually get what he says we can have. And I think to me, this is the key here in 1 Corinthians 13, where Paul says, when I was a child, I used to think like a child, um, speak like a child, uh, sorry, yeah, speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. But when I became a man, I did away with childish things. And I think to me, it's the childish things are this individualistic mindset, you know, whereas actually my gift is about me and serving me in my life. And, you know, and I think what he's saying is, I've, he, Paul said, I've, I've, I've done away with those childish things. I don't even think like that anymore. I don't reason like that. It's not part of my mentality. I don't see me. I see the body, you know. And I think there's a big difference between being childish and being childlike, you know. Childish is self-centered. It's all about you, whereas being that, that's right, you know. And it sounds like an oxymoron, eh? Are we supposed to be children or aren't we supposed to be children? Well, you are in some ways, but not in others, you know. And and so we're to be we're to be childlike in our faith and childlike in our belief and um, you know childlike even in our trust for one another, but not childish in the sense that we're all about ourselves, you know. And so we've got to rightly divide the word of God and determine what it is that He's saying through these passages. Eh? And I think it, you know Paul introduces it in. In Romans 12, 12, 12, he says, For even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body. And you know, getting sight of that, that just like Greg was, was speaking, although he used an analogy I know nothing of, um, I understood what he's saying. You know, and so it becomes like this this one body, and like the child. I mean, the one thing you see in, in young kids in particular, you know, to be like this, they will they will worship and they'll dance with with great abandonment, and they really mean it. And then they'll turn around and thump the kid next to side <laughs> them, and they'll really mean it. Yeah. But the the two the two aren't connected. But the two aren't connected. It is absolute genuineness of where they're at. Yeah. And it's what he's doing. So then that as I'm matured and I then put away the childish things of the childish uncontrolled behavior of not recognizing I'm in a body. If I'm a foot, I'm, what are you doing stuck on the side of the head? Why are you trying to be an ear? Because you don't have sight of the body is why you'll do that. And when I understand when there's a grace given within me and I recognize who I am, there's freedom. There's so much freedom that comes because I'm not trying to perform out of some sort of function for identity. My identity is the body, and I'm in the body. You know, when the foot wins, the ear wins. When the ear wins, the foot wins. It's a body. And the key to all of this is understanding. It doesn't say, let me now talk to you about the talents you all have. The modern church tries to build on talents without Christ. The modern church in Christ builds it in a significant way in which the title says they're spiritual gifts. 
They're not human talents. And so when we flow in a spiritual gift, it's a spiritual order. It's divine in nature. It's divine in application. And it's divine in outcome. It's massive, eh? It's, it, like, it, it's so... Um, it, it, it's so to me. It's so incredible to think that we could truly, freely operate like that without needing to have anything back for ourselves. Eh? You know, and to be able to see one and others, one another's gifts as only being able to serve and enrich us and not take from us. You know, in the sense that someone growing in their gift can only ever be beneficial for us. You know, when we're in that position of having lost our lives for His sake. Eh? You know. It's funny how that you know that that God works in threes. You know, so it's fruit of the spirit, gifts of the spirit, works of the spirit, equals the life of the spirit. And so, when the church flows in those three things, we get the outcome of what He promises. So, when we all come into the fruit of the spirit, which is through maturity, because fruit is grown, love, peace, joy. It's it's a grown fruit, and that's why that's number one. So the fruit of the Spirit is love. So when the nature of Christ in us and it's growing, then we start to understand the gifts of the Spirit, okay, which are used for the works, aren't they? So we're going to operate in a gift, and then the flowing of those operating gifts are the works of the Spirit, but the connection is Spirit, Spirit, Spirit. And we have to be in all three. If there's a flesh bit in there, we're never going to operate. It's never going to be the works, the outcome of the Spirit. So it's spirit, spirit, spirit equals life of the spirit. Hence what we looked at last week, which was fellowship, which was what? Who can tell me what fellowship is? No. Oneness of spirit with who? First, and we can't be one with one another unless we're one with the spirit. So as we all are one in the spirit, fruit of the spirit, gifts of the spirit, we get the works of the Spirit, you get the life of the Spirit. In you, through you, into the earth. And I'd say to God, I remember saying to God years ago, I said, God, why have you given gifts to immature children? It would mess me up because you see the damage it does. You know, you see the damage that what happens when you give children who are immature spiritually gifts of power. Whack, whack, I'm building my thing, fighting, in-house fighting, squabbling for position, rips the body apart, there's offense, bitterness, unforgiveness. And I would say, God, why would you do that? That's not what I would do. He goes, no, that's right, my ways aren't your ways. And your thoughts aren't my thoughts. I said, but certainly, why would I, I, I give Madeline the keys of the car when she drives the car and would go and kill herself and other people? You know what he said to me? He said, Greg, I believe my people will do it my way. He said, I have more faith in my people than they have in me. And I believe because I'm the God of faith, not fear. And I do everything from a place of love first and life. Hence, he said, there's all these trees you can eat. He didn't start with the tree that's poison. He started with all the trees because he's the God of faith. And he believes in the church that are going to do it his way. Because he knows if we do it his way, we get his life. And it's also part of us all coming to know him. The reason, one of the reasons why he does it, to see who loves him. So in a household, like you are as a parent, you allow certain things to happen to see if the parent will what? Sorry, the child will obey you and grow up in maturity. But they have choice. I thought, that's a brilliant plan. 
It's certainly how I wouldn't do it because I would have made it too safer than that. And that's how you can see and that's how you get the scriptures where people are operating in gifts, healing people, casting out demons and God says, yeah, but I actually don't know who you are. So this is so vital that we flow in the spirit and the spirit and the spirit to get the life of the spirit. Otherwise, it's just frustration and you're always reading about a reality that's not in you and you're not in yourself and you're not part of necessarily a, a family where the life of Christ is within. And we're all experiencing this life within us and through us. Because God wants to see his power and his life established in us and in the earth, doesn't he? He wants to establish his kingdom in the church, meaning hearts and mind and then through her. It's a completely different kingdom to the world. He didn't come and change the world. He came to build his kingdom in the vehicle called the church. Hence the gifts he gives to see his kingdom built in the church to see a immovable church who overcomes so it's so vital that we actually believe in what he says and we do it his way because he believes in us and that's why he's so patient with us but it's really for his own glory and this reminds me of the parable of the prodigal son you know and the father gives his entire inheritance to the son who then goes and blows it, eh? You know? And I think in, in Hebrew culture, the firstborn son was given an inheritance for himself, but also a portion for the to take care of the family, eh? You know? As this fat this father who believes in his children, but and gives, you know, gives his inheritance to a son who goes and blows it. And then you have another son who doesn't really even know his position with the father. And it, to me, these are like these are two typologies of both sides of the flesh, one who takes what's been given and uses it for himself when it should have been for the family and one who doesn't even realize it existed, buries it in the ground, doesn't even enter into or engage in the process. And that can be the body of Christ, you know? And the question is, what, what are we doing with what we've been given, you know? And yet you have a father there who demonstrates what real love and mercy and grace and belief and hope looks like in expectation that his sons through relationship are going to enter into the right way of operating, eh? You know? So it demonstrates maturity, eh? Mm. The father. Yeah. You know. Cool. All right. Question number two. Um, we, we may have touched on some of this already. What does it mean to put aside childish things and to become mature? How does this relate to Paul's perspective on the gifts of the Spirit? I think it would say we have touched on that and that the whole um, identity uh, issue that my identity is found in Christ. I'm not actually have to now go out and try and perform something to get an identity with a, a gift that I have. So it's no longer a weapon that's actually being used. It's a gift that's been used for actually for building and uh, constructing something that's being done by the Lord, but that 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 real key about the the childish ways, and I think it was you that said me, you know, the child is me centered, you know, the the universe extends about you know half a meter out, <laughs> you know, so it's and but in true fine Christian standing, we would never say that, we'd say the right words. But something's not actually being demonstrated out of here. And that's where often the wrestling and the confusion kicks in because though I might 
recognise that, I might not want to admit it. Now, I know from, from my own uh, personal testimony of recognising that when a word is coming that's actually penetrating, piercing right into the very inner man and going, am I, am I willing to actually hear that word and recognise that's a, that's a confrontation I'm, I'm f- wrestling with and facing about myself. There's a, a truth and a reality that I can express in words, but I'm wrestling with the demonstration of that within me. And, you know, there's... Um, where was it? It was in John, I think, we were talking about that um, Jesus said that, you know, God keeps us. Yeah, kept in your name. I was thinking, oh, I'm glad I stayed here. Actually, I'm glad the Lord kept me here. Because I can't even take, you know, glory for that or credit for that. That you keep me here and that I would stay and then respond to you so that it's no longer a childish application of, of the information, but it's a surrendered heart and it becomes now a mature, grown in maturity and able to minister in a, in a gifting that's given from a mature perspective, not a childish perspective. You know, I think, um, what does it mean to put aside childish things and to become mature? First you have to realise you're supposed to be a child. And so we all come as adults. Even though we know nothing, we all think we know something. And so you actually have to become a child. You know, it says in Matthew, you must um, be converted and become like a child. And a child knows nothing, but it's a sponge ready to learn. And so when Jesus says, come to me, you know, when, when we get born again, we have to realize we have no knowledge outside of revelation. So some of us may have no knowledge of God, no understanding of who he is. We've, we've acknowledged, we heard something, we prayed a prayer and we receive him. But depending on the revelation you receive in that moment, you may have zero knowledge of God. You can know about him through reading and being maybe brought up with this thing, but you don't know him. So that means you don't know his ways. And that's why he says, okay, here's, here's how this works, guys. He says, you know, no one knows me apart from my father, and I'm the only one who knows my father, and to whom my father chooses to reveal me. Okay, so now with the understanding that you've come like a child and you have no revelation possibly, now come to me because you're all weary and burdened because you're all looking for life but can't get in life outside of me. So you've got to come. There's a way in which we come. So then we come and he then promises you something. You're going to give me something. I'm going to give you something. I'm going to give you my rest. I'm going to give you me, my Sabbath rest because then you can be still and actually learn. See, if you can't be still, you can't learn because you're always wanting to remove yourself from the still position. It's all right, I know. No, you don't know. Just sit here. No, 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 I know. No, you don't know. So you've got to be able to be still. So through giving rest, you can be still and then come to know God. If you can't be still, you won't learn because you're never in school. You either think you know it and you don't need to be taught. So the whole thing he's saying is, come to me. I'm going to give you something. You need to unyoke yourself from the world, which you've learnt possibly all about me and all your other ways. And then you've got to stay here and learn. Just the way I learnt from my father. The Jews recognised, they said, this man was not educated. Where did he get his education from? Where did he get his knowledge from? 
Jesus said, I got it from my Father, which is where? Through the Spirit. So we have to learn from the Spirit. And this is how you have to learn. You have to actually become a child because we're not. Very few people actually start with poor in spirit as their heart posture. And so there's a whole work that has to be smashed in us through the power of the Word because we all come proud of spirit. So that's where we have to start. So you actually got to become like a child. So you have to realize you're not, you're not mature spiritually, you're very immature. And so if we're not learning through revelation, we get what we get, which is division, pain, offense, squabbling, fighting, divisions, all these individual ministries, people leaving to start their own. And so the body really never gets established because everyone's trying to do their own thing because everyone's immature in spirit. And to me, you know, it's it's not that we just come like a child and then we become mature and we leave that posture, you know. To me, the, the ultimate position of maturity is being childlike. You know, you never grow out of being poor in spirit. You know, you don't start as being poor in spirit and then you become mature and then somehow you you don't need to be humble when you, you know, like it just... The, the ultimate position of maturity is childlikeness, you know, where you're constantly teachable and the process that you're describing, you know, the, the, the more that you're in him, the more that you are poor in spirit, you're able to learn to grow mature from him, you know, you don't find another way, you know. I know for, like, for, for Levi, you know, the, the, we had an incident recently where we've got this old rocking horse that we just picked up from the op shop and he, like, rocking on the rocking horse is now not enough for him and so he needs to find more creative ways so he's like trying to like surf it by like standing on it and wiggling it side to side and he, he's really nailed himself a couple of times and so we're trying to like we're trying to teach him hey like this like doing this it, is like is not okay you you actually can't it's not designed to do this and in his mind because his thinking is childish, instead of thinking, oh, I just nailed myself on the rocking horse, I should listen to my parents and learn from them and their wisdom, he thinks, oh, how can I, how can I surf this thing better so that next time I try it, I don't nail myself, you know? And yet what he needed to do was transition from one way of operating into the, to the other. He needed to transition from being childish to being childlike, you know, from being able to go from thinking his way to receiving a new kind of wisdom and knowledge. And now he thinks because he's humble enough to have received instruction and correction and growth as opposed to adding to his own way, redoubling his current efforts and trying to make things happen in the way that he's always tried to make happen before, you know? And I think that's the same, that we can do the same thing with what it is that God is trying to build. If something doesn't work, we try harder as opposed to coming to this place of being poor in spirit and actually being able to learn from him a new way that's going to become life-giving, you know? Um, and, and, you know, that's, that's man's, the power of the will of man, isn't it? In a child, in an adult. And that's God-given. So imagine that will surrendered and submitted. How does it live? Well, his name is Paul. So God gives, yes, this, this will, 
the strong will. And it's so determined to do its own thing. But under the lordship of Christ, doing God's thing, you try to stop it because it's anointed with the power of heaven. And it's interesting, I love, you know, in this verse we're looking at, it says, I did away with childish things. So there's a choice, there's a doing away, there's a letting go. And I want to read you 2 Timothy 3 as what childish things are. But realize this, that in the last days, which started 2,000 years ago, <clears throat> difficult times will come. Why? Because men will be lovers of self. Do we have to go beyond this? It lists a whole lot of things. See, childish ways is to love self, to be self-absorbed, self-consumed, because that's what a child is. A child only thinks of itself, and if you have what it wants, it will bash you on the head. Danny, Danny's worked in childcare a lot, and she's had children have thrown stuff at her, hit her, and children fight. I've gone in there one day, and kids are full on bang on the back of the head with a truck. Why? Because I'm selfish, and I'm consumed with me, and I'll do anything to get what I want. So I'm putting away a childish thing. You put this in this context, it's what about me? I want, I want, I'm serving because I want. That's childish. He then says things, lovers of money, childish, boastful, arrogant, childish, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control. It lists all this thing. Listen to this. Former godliness, although they have denied its power, always learning, never coming to the knowledge of truth. How can you always be learning but never coming to the knowledge of truth? Because you're selfish, you're still a child, your learning operating system is still you. So you're always learning, but you're learning from your way. As a child, means you never come into the true knowledge of truth, which makes you free and enables you to live freely. And so Paul's saying we've got to do away with these childish things, and you do away with them through receiving revelation of the Christ. Because to trump the childlike nature, which is evil, which is in us, self is evil, you need something greater than you, don't you? You need the Word of God. You need the revelation of Christ Himself through the articulation of His Word, through the power of the Holy Spirit, releasing you from you. And then you actually start to be able to live a mature life. Paul did not wake up and go, one day I'm going to be mature. Paul had an encounter with God, was filled with the power of God, and released him from Saul to Paul. So Saul is a very immature follower of Jesus Christ. Well, he wasn't following Jesus Christ, but he thought he was doing the right thing, wasn't he? Look what he was doing. He was held in esteem as the Pharisee of Pharisees in his sect. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. I'm the Hebrew of Hebrews. Do you know that's childish? In God's eyes, that's nothing. But in man's eyes, that was something. And in Philippians, he says, this is all but rubbish. What I thought I was and how I was living, let me tell you, it was rubbish. It was so pathetic and childlike. This isn't what God had compared to now what I know. So he's a fantastic example of two sons and two churches. But you can see man edify man and think it's wisdom. It's not wisdom, it was foolishness and stupidity. 
the, you know, the question is where did you get this knowledge and how? And I, I think of um, your boy standing on the, on the rocking horse trying to surf it and you're saying, no, you can't do that. It's going to hurt you. You know, it's, it's not good. And he's thinking, well, kind of. Um, nine out of ten, it was okay. It's the tenth <laughs> one where I fell over and got hurt. You know, so we're going to hit it again. And, and so here's this example of a loving patience that's you know, extended out to the child to redirect, to re-instruct, to focus on something else. And there's the hope that there's something that's even greater because you're now overcoming this experiential knowledge that the child's had by standing up and doing it. You're trying to counteract the fact that maybe five out of ten times it worked when we're trying to say, actually, no, it's not. And so the, some of the wording that's used in there, we read it in English and talks about you know true and correct knowledge. How do I get my true... If there's true and correct knowledge, there's incorrect knowledge. So how do I get the true and correct knowledge? Another word they use, gnosko, which is this intimacy, this intimate knowledge, this closeness of relationship. And I often think of, um, you know, if, if when I became engaged and, and I get married and her father gives me, there you go, here's the book all about Anne. Here's her diaries. You read all, you can study all up about her. And I go, great, oh, I read all about this. Yes, I know all about Anne. Wouldn't it make much more sense, wouldn't it be far more intimate to actually go and be with Anne? To live with her, to spend time? That's going to require some vulnerability now on my part to actually receive. And so this, this self-centeredness of, of a, like I'm saying, just of a child, that's, and it's pride, it's, it has to be broken in me and us in order to actually receive true intimacy and true intimate knowledge that I can now grow into the maturity that he's actually calling for us to, to live in. And it's such a sobering verse that Greg just read out that we that you could actually be consistently learning but not coming to a knowledge of the truth, you know? You could spend your whole life learning the scriptures, learning the Bible, and yet the scriptures were always supposed to point towards a kind of learning that brought intimate revelation knowledge eh? you know and so i think that you know what it's describing is it's in there to say hey just just remember don't um don't don't sell yourself short just by knowing good bible scriptures you know what we hear this morning you you only know what you can live out you know Um, and so there's an intimate knowledge to to enter into (laughs) through revelation hey and guys, this is the point of why we're teaching. So for it not to manifest in your life and the body would be a complete waste of this year. You know, it's, we don't just come to, to get head knowledge. We come to live. We come to live this out. So we're hoping that everyone in this family is going to be Christ-like, are going to know the gift on your life and then start serving the body with your gift, not serving you. So if it just stays contained in a room on a Sunday night, then we've really wasted the purpose of what it's about. There has to be a manifestation, a demonstration of Christ through the church. So everything we're doing has a greater purpose. It's to see Christ demonstrated in us and through us. Cool. With, with that in mind, um, it's 20 past six. I'm real keen for us to have a good, solid amount of time um, and table discussion this evening.
Cool. All right. Um, well, are, are you handing out the feedback forms, Rochelle? Um, I thought um, just before we get into table discussion, um, I've just got a feedback format. It would be cool if we could just take 15 minutes. Like I said, it's not a test. Um, it's just there's just a, a number of questions there to to look at. You know how you've found these uh, these discussions, what you've heard, what you've learnt, um, and um, so we'll do 10, 10, 15 minutes, and then we'll get into table discussion. Thanks, guys.